All right, week two of Unstoppable Road Trip. Woo! Woo! Hey, in 2005, we opened up Lino in the middle of a huge field. Hey, and rumor has it that Pastor Bob used to hunt for pheasants in this very field. Really? And he was a little bummed out to have to give up his spot. What a sacrifice. I know. Well, the cool thing now is that Lino is the home base each weekend for the messages. So we should find out about that. Let's do it. Put the pedal to the metal. Lino lights! Whoa! All right, Lino Lakes. Oh, nice loading dock. <laughs> Very nice. Hey, there he is. Campus pastor yes. of Lino, John Alexander. Hi, guys. Nice to see you. Good, Good to, see, to you. see you. Okay, I've got a question. Uh, the message happens right here every weekend, and then it's broadcast to all the other campuses. How does that happen? Honestly, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> but I know, I know who to talk to. Come on, follow me. Oh, awesome. Let's okay, go talk good. to TJ. He's our producer. Bjorn, he's our video director. And, and let's head into the control room because I think they'll okay. know what they're doing in here. All right, red right. light is on. Yeah, yeah. Let's check Take a this look. out. So I understand you guys have the answers. Simulcast, how does it work? So every weekend here at Orlando Lakes campus, we record and send out the message to all of our campuses across the Twin Cities. Yeah, and more technically, when I hit a button here, it sends a signal to my engineering room into our router that embeds the audio, goes into the encoder. From the encoder, it gets onto the network and then ships over to fiber to the campuses, then goes decodes at the campus, and then goes to their DVR, which is similar to like your DVR at home maybe on your TV. And then from there, it goes into their switcher and then to the side screens. That seems so simple. No, yeah, and it gets know. there in a fraction of a second. Really? Yeah. So like that? Yeah. No kidding. Does the simulcast ever not work? There are times when we have technical issues, but best case scenario, we're able to dump back to a previous message that weekend. So let's say it's Sunday morning, we're able to queue up the four o'clock message if the campuses are having audio or video issues. All right, guys, there's a lot I know that goes on, but I don't even know the half of it. What does it really take to pull off a weekend? So our team consists of a few staff on production, and then the majority of it is volunteers. The cool thing is that a lot of these volunteers, I'd say most of them come in with little to no production experience. And very quickly, they learn how to run professional equipment, cameras, gear that you see back here, and they execute it flawlessly on a weekly basis. There's a lot that goes into this. Why do we do it? Why is this important? So that everybody across all the Twin Cities at our campuses and the thousands of people who tune in online every week and can hear the same consistent message that God is using Jason or Bob to speak to our community. And we have a lot going on back here, um, but we try to be as invisible as possible so that God and His Word can be visible. I go to Spring Lake Park, and uh, every week, what you guys do, bringing the message to that campus is flawless. And so it's really cool to get to know a little bit more about how it works. Well, speaking of Spring Lake Park, next week we're going to see you for Unstoppable Road Trip Week 3. But for now, we join up with Bob Merritt at the Lionel Lakes campus as he continues our series, Unstoppable. Well, welcome everybody to all of our campuses meeting throughout the Twin Cities today. Glad you could join us. I want to welcome those of you also watching online around our country and world. We're always glad that you can join us as well. In fact, here in Minnesota, we have a group from the country Ukraine uh, ten of them or so are meeting uh, with our church here who watch us online every week, and we're just glad to have them, have them here to host them, so welcome to you. Uh, you know, last, yesterday, Valentine's Day, by the way, happy Valentine's Day, everybody, but yesterday's Valentine's Day was the coldest Valentine's Day in 72 years. 72 years. But thank God we don't live in Boston, right? Could be worse, could be much worse. But I want to give you a Bible verse as we start today. God is able... 
God is able, Romans 8 says, God is able to do far more in your life than we could ever ask or imagine. And I know life can get tough about mid-February in Minnesota and anywhere in the country, really. If you've got young kids or got a tough job, whatever it might be, you're in school, I know it gets long. But God is able to touch you. God is able to work in your life. He's able to meet you at your deepest need. And so ask him. God is able to do far more than we could ever ask or imagine. Just lean into him, trust him. We're in a series called Unstoppable. We chose that title because in the days following Jesus' death and resurrection, Peter and the other disciples were absolutely unstoppable. And I mean, when you actually see somebody get beaten just inches from his death, nailed to a cross, get a spear thrust up into his heart to make sure he was dead, see him stop breathing and die, but then three days later he appears to you completely alive and healthy like nothing happened? I mean, you can't be neutral about that. you got to make a decision about that. And so Peter made a decision, and this changed his whole life. He stood up in the front of the same crowd who crucified Jesus there in Jerusalem. He stood up and he said this, God raised Jesus to life. And we are all witnesses of that fact. We didn't make this up. This isn't a fantasy. This isn't something we just wished happened. We saw this with our own eyes. We experienced it. We saw it happen. The early disciples were fueled, not so much by what they believed, but what they actually saw with their own eyes. And so today's message is called Bold Move. Because I love about Peter and the others is how bold they were. They weren't necessarily that smart or strategic. They were just plain bold. That's what made them and the early church really quite unstoppable. My brother, John, and I, when we were in college, we made a bold move. We decided one day we want to go skiing out in Colorado. So uh, we crammed all our ski equipment and gear into my little Mercury Cougar like a little Mustang. And to maximize our time and to avoid hotel costs, we decided to drive from St. Paul, Minnesota, all the way through the night, arrive at Copper Mountain in Colorado the next morning when the lift lines open, a mere 14-hour drive through the night. Hungry and sleep-deprived, we skied copper all day long in high altitude, pounded ourselves from 8.30 till 4.30, dragged ourselves off the mountain, then drove another two hours to Aspen, where we were supposed to meet one of my brother's friends. His name was Drake Benson, and stay at his house. We were exhausted, we were wet, we hadn't slept in 36 hours, it was raining in Aspen that night, and I was ready just to absolutely collapse. So we walked up on the porch of Drake Benson, rang the bell, and two older people came to the door. It was the wrong address. It wasn't Drake Benson. In fact, they'd never heard of Drake Benson. By the way, this was before cell phones. All we had was an address written down on a piece of paper that my brother had. So we drove around Aspen that night in the rain. There wasn't a room available. Finally, I pulled over to the curb. I put my head on the steering wheel, and I said, John, I can't spend the night in this car. I've got to find a place to lay down. He said, what are we going to do? I said, we got to go back to those people's house and ask them if we can sleep on their living room floor. No kidding. John said, we can't do that. I said, we have to. He said, well, I'm not going to ask them. So I walked up to the house, rang the bell. We were in our late late teens, by the way, early 20s. My brother's older than me, five years older. Long, wet hair, bloodshot eyes. We looked like we were totally burned out. I rang the bell. These two old people came back to the door, and I said, I know this sounds crazy. And you don't know us, but my brother here wrote down the wrong address. And we have no place to stay. Would you mind 
If we slept on your living room floor, and of course they're going to say no. I mean, who in their right mind would say yes to that? But they just kind of looked at each other, shrugged, and said, well, okay. <laughs> to this day, I have no idea why they let us in. It was, wasn't even safe. But not only did they make a bed for us on their living room floor, they made us breakfast in the morning, big breakfast, wouldn't take a cent for it. Now, the difference between sleeping in our car that night or sleeping in a warm house getting a nice breakfast isn't intelligence or strategic. We were idiots. We weren't smart at all. It's because we were bold. We simply made a bold move. I just want to ask a question. I wonder what would happen in your life and mine if all of us here today were just a little bit more bold. Anybody here need some boldness? What if we were more bold in asking for help when we need it? Or more bold with how we compliment people that we, that we love? Or more bold in inviting somebody to church? Or in calling out a destructive pattern in a colleague or family member? Just move in on that. Or more bold in having conversations with others excuse me, about matters of faith. A few years ago, I started hearing about a young man who, uh, in his late teens, had struggled through addiction, came through rehab, and was now attending our church all by himself. And I knew his family. Really good people who I'd been friends with over the years. And it really bothered me, though, that the dad wasn't attending church with his son. And we'd been friends for a long time. One day, I bumped into this dad, and we greeted each other, caught up a little bit. Then I thought, Bob, are you going to be honest with this guy? Are you going to tell him the truth about what you think about him not attending church with his son who's struggling through this situation? Or are you just going to engage in small talk and wuss out? Conversation I had with myself. Then I had this thought. You're in your 50s. What lifetime are you waiting for to be more bold? Again, conversation in my head. So I said, hey, Jim, can I talk to you about something? I said, I've heard your son's coming to church on his own, and that's great. But as your friend who cares about you and your family. Jim, I want to challenge you to lead the way. Man, lead your family to church in matters of faith. I said, what will impact your son and your family more than anything else is if they see that you're serious about God, that you're serious about faith and going to church. I said, if they don't see that, they're going to fail, they're going to flop all around, and they're not going to be serious about those things at all. I didn't know if he'd consider me to be a friend after that or not. But I made a decision that the well-being, the spiritual well-being of their family was far more important than our friendship. The very next weekend, about four rows back, there he was in church with his son. Loved it. The weekend after that, there he was. Then I saw his whole family sitting together with Jim, by the way, not his name, Jim, leading the way. And I could tell that there was a new vibrancy in that family that I hadn't seen in a very long time. It was great to see. Again, it wasn't about being smart. It wasn't about being strategic, just being a little bold. Just calling someone out a little bit. Let me bring you up to speed with Acts 3 and 4 and then give you a few ways that you can be more bold in this world for the good. Uh, if you remember last week, uh, it's six weeks after Jesus uh, rose from the dead and ascended into heaven and Peter led 3,000 people to Christ in one day, just uh, six weeks later. And a couple days after that event, 3,000 people coming to Christ, uh, John and Peter were together. They were going to the temple to, to pray, and they walked past a 40-year-old man who had been crippled from birth. They're sitting at the temple gate. Everybody knew who this guy was. 
He was a fixture there outside the temple. Every day they saw his deformed and atrophied legs. When Peter and John passed by this guy on their way to, tem- on the way to their temple, this man called out for money because he's, he's, he's been relegated to begging. Do you have any money? In Acts chapter 3, verse 6, look what Peter says. The Bible says Peter looked straight at him, straight at this guy and said, look, I don't have any money, but I will give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. The Bible says Peter took his hand, helped him up, and instantly the guy's legs became strong. He jumped to his feet. He ran inside the temple and began jumping and praising God, making a a real scene, by the way, commotion. People began to notice, hey, isn't that the guy that was sitting outside the gate for 40 years? We've seen this guy. He's crippled. And he's jumping, running around. And the people were so amazed by this that they came outside the temple, surrounded Peter and John, big crowd gathered together. And so Peter, once again, boldly steps up. And he's going to explain to these people what happened. People of Israel, big crowd. Why does this surprise you, this healing? Why do you stare at John and me? As if by our own power we made this man walk. The God of our fathers, we're all Jews here together today. The God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all Jewish fathers, has done this, but they did it, we did it through, oh boy, Jesus. He goes on. This is the same Jesus. You all handed over to be killed. Ooh, don't say that. That could be offensive. Who you disowned before Pilate. You disowned the holy and righteous one of God, he continues. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are all witnesses of this fact. It's in Jesus' name this man is healed, as you can all see. And the Bible says the religious leaders were greatly disturbed by this. Do you think? Peter just accused them of killing the Son of God. And the Bible says the Jewish leaders were so angry that they took Peter and John, put them in jail, and said, we're going to deal with this tomorrow. Tomorrow came, and they called in the big guns. Chapter 4, verse 6, look what it says. Annas the high priest, the Jewish high priest in Jerusalem, was there. So was Caiaphas, another Jewish high priest, and other men of the high priest's family. We're all gathered there for this meeting. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or by what name did you do this? Did you heal this man? Now, you might remember Annas and Caiaphas were the same two guys who sent Jesus to Pilate six weeks ago to be crucified. Same Jewish guys who said, he's not one of us. Pilate, you deal with him, crucify him. Same guys. And Peter and John are confronting these two guys. And if I were Peter and John, I wouldn't be spouting off like this because they could send us to Pilate to be crucified as well. But look what he says. Then Peter said to these guys, rulers and elders of the people, it's by the name of Jesus Christ whom you crucified that this man has been healed. I think he pointed at Caiaphas. You did it, Caiaphas. You remember, this wasn't years ago. This was six weeks ago. You were in on it. 
Well, guess what? God has raised Jesus from the dead. Me and John over here, we stuck our head in the empty tomb. Then we followed him around while he taught and did miracles. Then he appeared before 500 other witnesses before ascending into heaven. God raised him. We saw it, and you know it. Just didn't want to believe it. They're standing there before this council who controls their fate. Look what it says. When this council saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were amazed and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. I mean, what are we going to say? The guy standing there has been healed. What are we going to do? The Bible goes on to say that the council told Peter and John to not, never again speak in the name of Jesus or they will be imprisoned and put to death. Look how Peter responds. Hey guys, judge for yourselves whether we should obey you or God, but we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. Do what you want to us. But we cannot deny the truth. And because of their boldness, people got healed. And people got saved. And over 15,000 people came to Christ in one week. And the church spread like fire, all because a couple of guys decided to be bold. Now, the question I have for all of us today is, how do we get that? How do you and I become more bold in our faith, or as a leader, or as a parent, or as a student or coworker, not in a weird way, by the way, not an in-your-face and offensive way, although John and Peter were a little offensive there, not that way, but in an effective way, in an appropriate way. How do we become more bold? I have a couple things to offer you. First of all, when you know the truth, the reason Peter and John were so bold is because they knew, they knew the truth about Jesus' life, miracles, death, and resurrection. When you know something is true, it's easier to be bold. The reason I spend 30 hours a week writing and memorizing a message like this, a 30-minute message, and then stand up here four times on a weekend to deliver it to 23,000 people, the thought of which makes me want to curl up and die sometimes, the reason I do that is because I know that the Bible is absolutely true and it is the most important thing that you and I can hear all week long. It's the reason I do it. It's the only reason. When you know the truth, you're more bold. When you know that there's power in Jesus' name, you're you're more bold about that. When you know that the Bible is true, you want to share it. When you see relationships restored and people get healed because of Jesus, you're simply more bold. I'm telling you, friends, when you know the truth, when you live by the truth, you're more bold because guess what? The truth can set you free from sin and regret and from hiding around all the time in a dishonest, deceptive kind of life. The truth sets you free from that. You're more bold. A few years ago, I was on a trip to Nicaragua with Orphan Network, and we had along with us a cameraman, Travis Wormadal, and we had been very careful about only eating foods that had been thoroughly cooked. Well, on the final day of this trip, our host took us to a restaurant that had all kinds of meats and sauces. But I knew the truth about uncooked sauces in Nicaragua from experience. I knew these, things, this, this, these sauces were absolute trouble. 
And so I boldly warned Travis, our camera guy, several times, who loves sauces, by the way. In fact, his Twitter handle used to be, I love sauces. No kidding. <laughs> love sauces. So we had all these sauces in front of us, and you could dip your meat in there, just all kinds of stuff. I said, Travis, don't do it. Stay away from the sauces. Those sauces are trouble. Stay clear, or you, you will pay a very steep price. But Travis thought he knew better. He threw caution to the wind, and he went hog wild. He dipped his stuff all over sauces. He was laughing at us, making fun of us, calling us a bunch of wimps. The next day, we had to fly home. We were in the airport, standing in line, when all of a sudden, a gastronomical bomb hit Travis like a truck. And like dumb and dumber, he took off running for a restroom down the corridor in this airport. He was gone a half hour. I was laughing all the way. He came back into line looking very pale, only to take off running a second time. He was sick for 10 days. Lost 10 days of his life because he refused to listen to the truth about sauces. I'm telling you, friends, when you know the truth about Nicaragua sauces, when you know the truth, you boldly warn your friends. If you're a parent here today, and if you know the truth about a poor choice your son or daughter is making, you're more bold about confronting that for their own good. Come on now. When you know the truth about the movie Fifty Shades of Grey, that celebrates all manner of sexual perversion. You are more bold about taking a stand on not going to that thing. I know it's all the rave right now. I know it. But as a pastor who loves you and cares about your life, even if you've already seen it, unfortunately, think, friends, think seriously about exposing your heart and mind to that kind of trash. Think very seriously about that. I can say without any kind of hesitation, I can say very boldly, that movie is no good. And it will damage your heart and your mind, and it will show up somewhere in your life. It's rated R for nudity, sexual explicit scenes, and for language. No Christ follower should go see this movie. No person should. Again, if you've already seen it, it's unfortunate. Maybe you'll be more discerning next time. But friends, when you know the truth about these things, come on. When you know the truth, you get more bold. For everybody's good. Yours and everybody else's. Second way you become a little more bold is when you realize that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Look what it says in 4.13. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, never went to school, Weren't college-educated, Bible college-educated, didn't have an education. Ordinary, just plain. Nothing special about these two guys. When these guys realized, they were amazed. They were ordinary, which means that God loves to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Now, some of you think, God can't use me because I'm just ordinary. I'm not talented or smart enough. You're absolutely wrong. In fact, I believe God would rather use an ordinary person so that his power gets revealed through weakness. 
God wants to use every single person here. If you're a student here today and all your friends are nightclubbing and hooking up and you say, that's not the life for me, guess what? That's boldness. Way to go. If you're a young man or young woman and the person you're dating is pressuring you to move in together outside of marriage and you say, you know what, that's not what God wants us to do, way to go. That's boldness. If you're a parent who enforces appropriate boundaries for your kids, which every kid needs, even though they rail against it, that's boldness. That's the job of a parent. Way to go. God loves to use ordinary people, I'm telling you, to do extraordinary things so that we can see his power at work through every one of us. There's a popular reality TV food show called Chopped. I never watched it before. I watched it this week for the first time. The reason I watch it is a few months ago, a young man named Lance was on it. And the reason I know about this is Lance attends Life Church in uh, Oklahoma City, great church. And how the, how the show works is people compete at cooking. And if their food's not good enough, they get chopped and they get removed from the show. And the last person standing gets $10,000. Came down to Lance and this other woman on the show. And during the show, this, this gal was struggling and she was hurting a bit. And so Lance ministered to her, began praying for her, and asked her if, she, if he could pray for her. And he really moved in on that. And eventually she got chopped. And on national television, Lance told about his own struggles in life and how God has changed his life. But at the end of the show, when he won his $10,000, he stopped suddenly and said for national television, I believe God wants me to do something different with this money. He said, I believe God wants me to give this gal the winning money. And to the shock of everybody there, the judges, everybody, he did one of the boldest things ever. All because he thought that's what God wanted him to do. And at the end of the show, it showed Lance lifting his hands toward heaven in praise. And the whole place just became unglued. And God got the glory. Why? Because an ordinary guy did something extraordinary. I believe somebody in your life, everybody here, I believe somebody in your life needs your boldness. Again, parents, your kids need your boldness. They need you to be boldly strong in your faith and in your relationships. They're taking all their cues from you. Students, you have classmates who need you to be bold in morals and in your faith. Give them something to shoot for. Business people, you have colleagues who need you to be bold in your character and in your witness and how you run business. If you're a follower of Christ here today, somebody needs your boldness because God loves to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Okay, third way is when you've been with Jesus. The verse says that these guys were amazed at Peter and John's boldness and realized that they had been with Jesus. Now, where does boldness come from? It's come from being really cool or smart or great looking. Friends, actually, it comes from a very deep place, a deeper place. It comes from knowing and being with Jesus. I mean, how could Peter face possible death and just declare boldly what he was declaring? He knew Jesus. Please hear this. Boldness is actually not the goal. Knowing Jesus is the goal. Boldness is always a byproduct of a person who knows Jesus, spending a little time every day talking to and renewing their relationship with Christ. Friends, when you spend just a few minutes every single day asking Jesus to walk with you, 
to protect you, strengthen you, fill and guide you with his spirit, your boldness begins to increase. When you read God's word a little bit each day and find verses like this, that you can do all things through Christ who gives you the strength. Or a verse like this, he who is in you, the Holy Spirit, is greater than he who is in the world than anybody else in the world. Your boldness increases. See if you agree with this statement. Your ability to face each day with boldness depends on starting each day with Jesus. This is how I start every single day in my life. Our ability to face every day with boldness all depends on how we start our day with Jesus. And so, uh, where am I? I'm a little bit lost here. <laughs> oh, yeah. They said they were amazed at their boldness and realized they'd, I need to change to the final point. Here's the final thing. When you speak, back on track, when you speak, Words of boldness. In fact, the Bible says here, I think this is the verse. Yeah, Acts 4.29, let's go. Enable us to speak, Peter said. Enable us to speak your word with great boldness. There's power when you speak up. I get so tired of people who see something going wrong and they say, oh, it's not my business. Better not say anything. Better keep up. Come on. If you see something going wrong, boldly move toward that and say, hey, I noticed something. Step up. There's power in words. It's when they spoke that amazing things happened. Several years ago, I had to pick up my daughter after gymnastics practice, and I was early. And so I, I just sat down, went in, and watched the kids work out a little bit. And one of the coaches was trying to get this girl to do a backflip on a four-inch wide balance beam. It's totally unreasonable. I mean, the human body was not meant to do a backflip on a four-inch beam and try to, you know, land on it. And this little girl was terrified. She stood there on that beam and said to the coach, I can't do it. And I didn't know this girl, but my heart went out to her, and I said, she can't do it. It's not, it's not humanly possible. The coach said, yes, you can. She said, no, I can't. I said, no, she, no, she can't. The coach said, just, just throw yourself over backwards. I thought, have you lost your mind? <laughs> the coach said, look, I will catch you if you fall. I was standing there watching this. The coach persisted. She said, you can do this. I said, no, she can't. Look at her. She's frail. She's afraid. But this little girl took one last look at the coach. She looked down at this beam. She took a deep breath, and she threw herself over backwards. Her arms and legs were flailing. flailing it was very ugly. But she flipped over backwards and landed on that beam. She stood there, as proud as could be, and I shouldn't have clapped by the looks I got from everybody else, but she made a bold move. Why? Because her coach gave her bold words. Somebody in your life may need you to encourage them. Say, I believe in you. You can do this. Got an email this week from a 28-year-old guy, Tony Taylor, who attends our church, who because of four simple words made a bold move. He wrote this email and said, Dear Bob, any time baptism comes up, I feel a special warmth in my heart. In 2012, I moved out to L.A. to pursue an acting career, but struggled to make it. He said, after a few more struggles, I moved back to Minnesota and got invited by a friend to your church. I ended up getting baptized a year to the day I moved back home. 
During my baptism, you asked me how old I was. You gave me a hug after you dunked me. And then as I was walking out of the water, you said, Tony, go be a leader. I don't actually remember that until he wrote this back to me. But he said, those four words have never left me. Go be a leader. So I started serving in ground zero with sixth graders. Now those sixth graders are in eighth grade, and I'm transitioning to teaching in Elevate at the Woodbury campus. And I got married to Gina, who I met on the first ground zero retreat I attended, which means when you volunteer at this church, great things happen to you. (laughs) So sign up. You never know. He said, all this started when I turned from my sin and got baptized. Thank you so much, Tony, for those four words. Words are powerful. How do you get boldness? When you know the truth and you live by the truth. God will honor it. When you realize that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. When you've been with Jesus and you touch base with him every single day and ask him to fill you and guide you and protect you. And friends, when you finally speak words of boldness. So I want to ask you one more time. Who needs you to be bold? Go be a leader. Go be a leader. Be bold. And watch God start to do amazing stuff in your life. Hey, next week is Unstoppable Truth. It's going to be a fantastic weekend. Invite you all back at all six campuses. Let's stand for closing prayer and be done. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for uh, your word. I thank you for people like Peter and John. I can't wait to meet Pete one day and just say, man, what was that like? Talk to them about fishing and about being bold. God, I thank you for men and women like this who have gone before us for 2,000 years and are still doing it, still taking steps of boldness and courage. And we see the church advancing. God, you see this church. We see it every weekend. I thank you for what you're doing here. But I pray now that you will give every one of us standing here before you, I pray that you will give every one of us a new courage a new boldness. Lord, as we lean into you, as we spend time with you, as we speak out, Lord, just guide us and direct us and put your hand on us, I pray, especially this week as we now enter a new week of work and school and whatever we have to do. God, I pray that you give all of us just a new, just a fresh breath that we can do this. God is able to do far more. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you need prayer, come on up. We're going to be here. God bless all of you as you come, as you came today.